Hello, friend. Thanks so much for downloading this podcast. And with all my heart, I hope you hear something that edifies, encourages, equip, enlightens, and then engages you in the marketplace of ideas. But before you go and before you listen, I want to take a quick moment and explain to you this month's truth tool. The book is called I Believe, A Concise Guide to the Essentials of the Christian Faith. You know, it's paramount as followers of Christ that we not only know what we believe, but why we believe it. So questions like heaven and hell, angels, the Trinity, all of these are foundational issues for believing Christians. But sometimes we don't fully understand what it is we believe about Christianity. So the book, I Believe, A Concise Guide to the Essentials of the Christian Faith is just that. It's concise and it's a wonderful guide to explain to you the cornerstones of who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. It's yours for a gift of any amount because In the Market with Janet Partial is a listener-supported broadcast. We stay on the air because you pray and give. So if you'd like this month's Truth Rule, just call 877-JANET-58. Ask for a copy of I Believe. That's 877-JANET-58. Or you can go online to InTheMarketWithJanetPartial.org. Scroll to the bottom of the page. There's the cover of the book. Give a gift of any amount. We'll send it to you as our way of saying thank you. While you're on that website, you might want to take a moment, scroll down just a little bit farther, and there's a description of what it means to be a partial partner. These are people who give at a level of their own choosing, and they give every month. They get the truth tool if they ask for it every single month, and they'll also get a newsletter, only people that do, that includes an audio portion that only goes to my partial partners. So if you want to be a partial partner or you're just interested in giving one time to get a copy of I Believe, 877-JANET-58 is the route to go, 877-JANET-58, or online at InTheMarketWithJanetPartial.org. I Believe, a great book for you to put in your backpack as you continue your Pilgrim's Progress. Now, please enjoy the podcast. Friends, welcome to In the Market with Janet Parshall. That song is a solid clue that we're going to talk about spiritual warfare this hour. And this will be your opportunity to ask any question you have on the subject of spiritual warfare. And our guest is going to be Dr. Carl Payne, who's written, I think, one of the best books out there on this particular topic. But before I give his formal introduction, I'm going to give you this, one 548 3675 You're going to need that. That's our phone number. And the lines do light up because, hey, we're curious about this topic. Like it or not, believer or unbeliever, there's an interest here. But there's also a mountain of misinformation, which is why Dr. Carl Payne comes and visits on a regular basis to unpack this topic. And by the way, I've thought this topic was urgent and important and biblically crucial for years and years and years. But walking around in the marketplace of ideas, I think it's gained further interest in the culture, which I think is another indication that Jesus's return is imminent. That's the difference between the word imminent and immediate. I don't know the day, the hour, none of us do, but I do think we're a day closer than we were before. And I think if you're a good farmer, a good sailor, you're looking at the signs and I'm telling you what, the signs are indicative of the fact that, wow, something's going on out there. So let me give you another bit of cultural information to chew on before we dive into this. But you can start calling in now with your questions. But I'm going to ask Carl to comment in a moment on this particular story. And it's bothersome to me. But again, I'm into cultural indicators. I think it's necessary for effective evangelism. 
It's part of your transcultural missionary experience. You need to know what people are talking about, what they believe out there in the marketplace, so that you can effectively meet them where they're at. I give you Acts 17 and Paul. That's a perfect example of that. So here's a new report that I just saw. There's a growing subset of women in particular, and I'll talk about that in a moment, that are turning toward what are called non-traditional spiritual beliefs. Oops. That's things like witchcraft, the occult, tarot, psychic readings, as well as crystal meditations. Now, when this stuff starts showing up in mainline news stories, this isn't a fringe story anymore. There's a cultural movement that has garnered the attention of the newsroom. So attention has to be paid. So apparently over the last, and this is one of the reasons why I think a news outlet picked this up. Over the past five years, the U.S. psychic industry, didn't know we had one, did you? Now you do. It's actually grown by 2% year over year. And the number of psychic, crystal, and tarot businesses ever <laughs> ever been into a, t- a town that said crystal readings or tarot readings, and there's sometimes a neon sign, and you walk past there, and you're thinking there's not a car in the lot, and sometimes there's multiple car in the lots, and you're thinking they're making this stuff up. They're making this stuff up, and people are laying down hard-earned money on the table. I digress. Anyway, all of that's grown by 1.6%, and their employees, by the way, have grown by 1.4%. So the psychic industry revenue is also expected to grow to 2.4 billion over the next several years. So let me just pause. I mean, not only is there an emotional, a mental, a spiritual, but there's an economic impact to the occult as well. 2.4 billion dollars over the next several years. So apparently the industry is now boasting what they call a gender divide. And the Pew Research Center that watches religion in this country all the time and has for years, it's noted that women are twice as likely to visit a psychic or a medium when compared to men. Now, just think about that for a minute. Why? Well, one clinical psychologist said that witchcraft, astrology, the occult-related, quote, folk practices offers a sense of community and belonging. That's a fundamental human need. And women, this psychologist thinks, may be drawn to these communities because they're safe places where you can explore your spirituality and engage in personal growth away from traditional patriarchal structures. That says it all, ladies and gentlemen, right there. This psychologist goes on to say, from a neuropsychological standpoint, the human brain is wired to seek patterns and meanings. Astrology and similar practices provide a framework for understanding the world and oneself, which can be particularly appealing in times of uncertainty. Just linger on that for a minute. Now, you hear this um, advancing of practices like astrology as a way of understanding yourself. There's this book, 66, Altogether Inerrant, Transcended, Inspired, Immutable, written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't contain the Word of God. It is the Word of God. I can guarantee you that book will help you discover yourself. Trust me. Um, apparently some people think there's also some therapeutic aspects to this engaging in rituals like meditation with crystals. This is a rock. You hang on to a rock. Okay. A rock or performing spells can be forms of mindfulness and self care. <laughs> wow. 
Um, this uh, clinical psychologist says it's a way for individuals, especially women, who often take on multiple roles and responsibility to focus on their well-being. Really? You can take a hot bath and do exactly the same thing. Uh, the growth of various spiritual practices apparently also reflects a broader cultural shift towards accepting diverse spiritual and psychological practices. Or as we say around my kitchen table, that's demonic activity. Uh, one more couple, one more thought on this. And apparently what is happening is the number of nuns, N-O-N-E-S, people who are not affiliated with any particular religion, as that number continues to grow, demonic activity is an opportunistic parasite. Boom. It moves into people who are dissatisfied with, quote, organized religion, have been hurt by the church, don't want anything to do with it. So they're seeking now alternative practices. And there he stands. Yep. The prince of this world, the accuser, the liar, the deceiver can't wait to get those people right into his camp. And that's why we talk to Dr. Carl Payne on a regular basis. Here's the formal introduction. He's a pastor, a teacher, a speaker, an author, former NFL chaplain for the Seattle Seahawks, by the way. He's currently on staff at Antioch Bible Church in Redmond, Washington. His primary role there is serving as the pastor of leadership development and discipleship training. He's written a book that I think is fabulous. If you don't have it, and many of you do, and I'm thrilled that you do, but if you don't, you should get it if this topic is of any interest to you. The Bible in one hand, his book, Spiritual Warfare in the Other, is a must. Spiritual Warfare, Christians, Demonization, and Deliverance is the title of the book. So, Brother Carl, pull up a chair. Oh, we could talk football, but I will restrain myself. Oh, there's music. So let me just say welcome, and it gives you a chance to jot down some notes on the story that I just read about the uptick in the occultic world, 2.4 billion over the next years. This isn't just a sidebar story anymore. This is hugely important. I can't wait to get your take, and I can't wait to start taking questions from our listeners at 877-548-3675. Any question you have on spiritual warfare, that's what these hours are all about. But Carl and I always start with a story. And I wish I told you it was hard to find these kinds of stories, but it's not. The occult is making headlines. Back after this. What do Christians really believe? What do we stand for? Do we know the essentials of our faith? That's why I've chosen I Believe as this month's truth tool. Know what you believe and how to convey the truth of God's word to a hurting culture. As for your copy of I Believe when you give a gift of any amount to In the Market. Call 877-JANET-58, that's 877-JANET-58, or go to inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org. By the way, just to put a capstone on this before Dr. Carl Payne weighs in on the story that I just read about the financial uptick in occultic practices and business and why women in particular are being drawn to all this demonic activity. I have to tell you, a major news network who shall remain nameless actually brought a psychic on the air. You talk about normalizing the demonic, brought a psychic on the air, and the host asked her to come and make predictions for 2024. 
Uh, so when you start doing that, you know, it's not the neon sign as you're walking through or driving through that little town. This is a national news outlet that brings a psychic on to predict. I digress. I want to hear what Dr. Carl Payne has to say. Brother, the warmest of welcomes. People are lining up. They got questions for you already. But I got to get your take on the fact that I, I think what hit me the most on that wasn't that women were gravitating toward this. It was the $2.4 billion they expect to make. All we like sheep. Boy, oh boy. Your thoughts, brother. Well, good afternoon, my sister. I want you to know that I already lost. uh, If I was a betting man, I'd have lost because I was having to bet against your discipline and your passion. And uh, something happened uh, on on, uh, uh, recently this past weekend that uh, benefited you, did not benefit me. And I was talking with a group that I'm going to be speaking at a conference this weekend and said, I think she's going to have to find some way to bring that up. And you didn't. So I'm telling you, you are one disciplined woman. Because I think if had the roles been reversed, I might have had to say, look at them guys, you know. So at any rate, I applaud you. Now, Thank you, sir. What, For people who don't understand that code, he wanted the Bears to win so the Seahawks would get into the playoffs. Okay, but I just yes. give you one word, Dallas. Okay, that's all I got to tell you. Yeah. That's, oh, I'm telling you, that is so true. We got it. But uh, see, you, I told Stephen I was dependent on your team, man. Come on. But at any rate, it's okay. I'm happy for you. Your team's moving on. Thank okay. You. Now, I thought, oh, gosh, I mean, we could take the whole program just on your intro. Mm. And I'll, I'll give a couple of different thoughts I had. See if these tie together. Are they dominoes? Uh, no, I'm not surprised. Uh, you know, that it, it seems to be, again, this will get me in trouble with some of your listeners. I love women. I love my wife. My wife is a woman. Uh, you're my friend. You're a woman. So I am certainly not trying to come across as a sexist winker. But I thought about uh, Paul in First Timothy 2, 13 and 14, where he, he talks about, in the same chapter, talking about teachers and who should and shouldn't and, and all. And he, and he mentions, uh, you know, at least as I understand it, that one of the one of the genders is, was more easy to deceive than the other. Mm. And I suppose that just means that the other was just more willing to just step in sin. But the whole idea of deception, when you start talking about religion and different views, they're close, but they're not. Now, now see if this makes sense. I thought about it's okay to caricaturize men as Neanderthals. I mean, I hear all the time we're just kind of genetically predisposed to be Neanderthals, and there's nothing wrong with saying that. And yet if someone said, well, does the fairer sex predisposed to have to be more careful with the spiritual deception, someone would probably say, well, you can't say that. I mean, that's that's generalizing. And I'm going, well, why isn't the other generalizing? I thought about um, uh, several books. I mean, I, I'm a reader, and you know that, but I thought Alicia Childers, her book, I think a great book, mm, Another Gospel, mm-hmm. and then she followed up with Live Your Truth, and someone told me she's got another one coming out. Brand new, yep. Mm-hmm. But, but on Another Gospel, I mean, she is dealing with deception, and she just quotes lady after lady after lady that are well-known and saying things. They don't typically just outright say, run from Jesus, he's terrible. But where they end up with is a different Jesus, a different gospel, a different salvation. And she's saying, I'm a lady, so I can get away with addressing this. If a guy tried it, you'd probably be called a misogynistic 
you know, sexist, oinker, blah, blah, blah. She's doing the same thing. But I, as I read through that, then I read her book, Live Your Truth. And again, she quotes a lot of different people. But how many of them are ladies? And I wondered, and I, I, I can't prove this, when Christopher Berg, you know, his book I finished on, you know, the, the New Age Trojan Horse. Mm-hmm. And he really focuses on the Enneagram and yoga. And then if you put Christian in front of both of them, it makes them palatable. Instead of saying, now they're both from the pit of hell. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know, that Enneagram, you know, it's it's ancient and consistent with Scripture. No, it's not. Yoga, you know, it can be palatized and Christianized and sanitized. Not not if you understand what's going on. But I thought, who does who who appeals? Who do those two things appeal most to? And I'm sure there's guys and gals. But I would be curious if someone ever found out. Is it the fairer sex that's diving more into that kind of thing? And then here's where I was going. I'm speculating, Janet. If I'm being told all the time that you've been stepped on, you've been walked on, Christianity is is primarily a white, European, Caucasian, you know, there 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 divides how many, uh, you know, so many. And it, it's, it's uh, you know, male-oriented, and so it's your job if you care about your life and want to count for anything. You've got to, you know, create your own own road and and start writing this it's like the ladies are set up by culture to be able to say if you stand up for Jesus in a way that the bible has traditionally been understood somehow it makes you less than and i think there's a lot of people who are biblically illiterate Mm. who, instead of knowing what does the Scripture say, it's I hear what culture's saying, and I don't want to waste my life and be a mom. Uh, you know, I'll, uh, what, what was one of the latest articles I just read? Gal said she was 38, you know, never, you know, didn't get married, didn't have children because she believed the radical feminist. And she says, now I'm wanting to have children, and now it's almost too late, and I bought a lie. And I thought Gail gave me that article a couple of days ago. But I just thought, are our ladies being set up emotionally? intellectually, you've got to do it yourself, create your own road, or you're less than, so it puts them at odds and open to other things spiritually, saying, well, if it's not Jesus, it must be, well, I need to track that down and check that out, whereas many guys maybe are not so worried about having to prove something. Yep, yep, and I got to tell you, your, your comments are spot on. Here's some data. Women are more likely than men to feel a ghost or the presence of a spiritual entity. Women more than men are more likely to hold at least one new age uh, belief. And uh, more often, their women over men will believe in psychics. Back after this. We're visiting with Dr. Carl Payne, who's many, many things, pastor, teacher, speaker, author. But his book on spiritual warfare is why we just keep coming back, because the lines light up every time he comes when I simply open the phones and say, what question do you have on spiritual warfare? 877-548-3675-877-548-3675. And don't forget his book. It's on my info page, and there's also a link to his website. All that stuff's there. But the book, again, is called Spiritual Warfare, Christians, Demonization, and Deliverance. And those of you who haven't know what a great book it is. All right, to the phones. You lead now, friends. 877-548-3675. Evan in Indiana, the warmest of welcomes. And your question for Dr. Payne, please. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, one of the top female artists right now, I think, has concerts going on and music videos 
where it appears she's doing a seance and other demonic things. Um, and with, you know, individuals singing along with these songs and witnessing this at the concerts, is it possible that they are inviting demonic spirits into themselves without even knowing? Carol. Mm. Oh. Hi, Evan. Um, that's a that's a good question, and I and I think the safest answer for me to say would be when you say, "Is it possible?" Of course, it's possible. In the same way that people playing with Ouija boards, is it possible they can get themselves in over their head, or 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 people that are you know uh, playing with occultic, whether it's whether you know we had someone call us earlier talking about, not today, but talking about being a Christian medium, and I about dropped my jaw, and yet I thought, no, actually, it's not the first time I've heard it. We've got people that think that the whole spiritual warfare thing is a game. It's usually about power. Uh, for the ones that aren't really involved in it, it's far probably more about curiosity and one just to have a photo shoot of, look, I'm extra special, whatever. But ultimately, the people that are in it for real, it's about power. And and to think that there would not be people that would be whether it's whether it's through books, you know, we we're already talking earlier about about uh, new age and spiritism earlier, which is what we're really talking about with Janet's intro and people wanting to get involved with that. With people that get into, I mean, I've I've worked with people that were involved in, in things gruesome, and you know, I want power. So you know, to think that. That can music be a medium for that? Sure. Could could uh, uh, goofy views on the Bible or New Age views? It always ends up Jesus isn't enough. The Bible needs to be deconstructed. Sure. I I have a very dear friend of mine, and I'll be very. I'm not going to say the name or the or the musician, but uh, that wouldn't be fair. But a very dear friend of mine that that worked with a particular uh, uh, musician that. Uh, he gave me a call and said, you know, the, the person that you referred me to, I said, yeah, said they were demonized. And they work in, in – they're, they're involved in one of the major music groups. And he said they were openly involved in this. And I said, I didn't know. I just knew the person was pretty fouled up, and they were close to you and not close to me. So if someone – I mean, there wasn't even being hidden. and They were using music as a medium for promoting spiritism mm. and the occult. And so if someone says, can it happen? Sure. Does that mean, Evan, that I believe that all the people, even most of the people that are that are sometimes I, – th I think it's very shtickish. I think it's very popular. I think that there are people that say, and, you know, it's kind of the, the, the next hula hoop, I suppose you'd say. Uh, and, and some of them are chasing down out of curiosity. The problem is that this stuff can be real, and there's people's lives who are being destroyed through it. And the whole thing about whether it's coming from, you know, some of the folks that a uh, uh, oh I, I thought I thought about uh, Greg Kokel. I'm a big fan of Greg Kokel, and I was rereading over the weekend one of his articles on does God whisper, and I made the statement on Sunday. There's a whole cottage industry about prayer and particular kinds of prayer of God whispering. Kokel took it apart because he went after the primary passages and says, this does not say what people say it's saying. Mm. Contextually, it doesn't. And I applaud Greg Kokel for going after that because he probably had people not liking him over it. He wants to be biblical. So I'm saying when people are trying to pass things off to me and say, well, they work, I go, so mediums can work. That's an old, I mean, Saul went to a medium because they can work. 
that isn't can they work it's is it consistent with scripture and so when you have when you have people involving themselves out of curiosity it's a game okay it was just a game just like some people i checked out christianity it didn't work or whatever but you've got other people that get in and the longer they're in it's one of my concerns with yoga well i just get in it for exercise and yet i've read studies that you know after six seven years more than 60 percent of the people that said they got into it just for exercise were now in it because they're devoted to what it's about I, I I assume they got tricked. They got mm-hmm. deceived. It just builds and builds. So I'm just, can music be a medium? Yes. Do I want to play with that? No. When I have people saying to me, ah, you know, compared to other things, it's not that big a deal. I think it can be. Well, I get peace. Uh, you know, I, I don't, once you start saying Jesus is not enough and mm-hmm. it's okay for me to deconstruct the Bible and Jesus is not the way, he's a way, you are swimming in water that you shot not to be surprised if sharks start biting you. Wow. Superb answer. It ties in also to the story I started with about this incremental creep, you know, following the breadcrumbs in the forest doesn't always lead to something good, by the way. And number two, this idea when you talked about Christian medium, that's called syncretism. If you want the term for it, you take a little bit of the word and a little bit of the world, blend them together. And I'll tell you what, I believe those half-truths are dangerous. They're worse, I think, than anything. And that's where the deception begins. Evan, thank you. That means I have one line open now. Evans, 877-548-3675. Coming right back to the phones with your questions. Our team of partial partners is growing, and I love communicating behind the scenes with this special group of friends who are devoted to giving a monthly gift to In the Market. Our partial partners receive private emails direct from me on issues we don't address on radio, and I even send a weekly audio message straight from my heart to yours. Ready to become a partial partner? Call 877-JANET-58, 877-JANET-58, or go to inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org. Back to the phone lines with Dr. Carl Payne on the topic of spiritual warfare. Any question you have, this good man can answer it clearly, concisely, and most importantly, biblically. Lisa in Florida, I welcome you. Your thoughts, please. Okay, Beth, um, 15 years ago, I was involved in a um, psychic readings um, after a divorce in a, a bad relationship. And I was emotionally devastated. I was I was felt so alone and like there was nobody I could talk to. And um, once I got in it, I really start feeling I was in it for about three years. I felt so convicted, and I returned to the Lord and rededicated my life and made a 180. And I believe God used that to show me that He's the one that I should be talking to and or find a, a Christian counselor. And I, I re- did repent for the terrible sin, and I'm hoping that I don't know how he looks upon it. Is that an unforgivable, for unforgivable sin? Oh, heavens no. Heavens no. And I, I don't mean that speaking down. Uh, sister, I, I get this question so often. 
and the and the irony of it is that it, it who has the person been talking to that that, that either uh, that, that determines what is that sin that this is just one too many. I mean, you just push God one time too far, and 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 again, as I talk with people, it, it's like spiritual gifts. What's the gift of choice? Well, it depends on who you're talking to. I go back to First John chapter one, verse eight. If you say you don't have a sin nature, you're deceiving yourself. Verse 10, if you try and tell people you never sin, you're a liar because you make God out to be a liar. Verse 9, the sweet verse right in between the two two, you know, wrong responses to deny my sin is to deal with it. And it says, if we confess our sin, God is faithful and just to forgive our sin and cleanse us from, and the next word is all, A-L-L, all unrighteousness. And all means the same thing in English as it does in Koine Greek as it does in Pig Latin. So I will come back and say to people, if you're willing to deal with whatever this is, and you're still breathing, so you have the opportunity to do it, there isn't anything you have been involved in that God cannot or will not forgive. Now, once you quit breathing, there may be some things that needed to be dealt with that I didn't deal with. And 2 Corinthians 5, 10, 11 says, God will take that up with me as a believer at the Bema Seat Judgment, which is for believers. But, but as long as I'm breathing... God apparently still has plans for me, says, second, uh, says Ephesians 2.10. We, we were created for good work that God prepared for us to walk in. So I'm saying wherever you are in life, whatever you're doing, if you're breathing and you're a Christian, God's not done with you. So don't buy the nonsense from other people or thoughts through the head. Hey, you, you don't have a chance. Why try? You're breathing. That means God's not done with you. And if, well, there's this sin or that sin. All of those fall underneath all. Am I willing to confess it? Yes, I am. Then God has promised he is willing to forgive and cleanse. I asked people on Sunday, I said, if Jesus is the truth, how many times can he lie? Hmm. And, the, and the congregation said, well, he can't. I said, so if he promises when you confess, he'll cleanse. Or if he promises to come into your life when you believe, what does he have to do? Well, I hope he, no, what did he have to do? Well, I think in my heart he, no, what did he have to do? Well, sometimes I, no, he has to keep his word because he's truth. So when he promises he'll confess when you cleanse, I don't care who tells you that's not true. The word of God says it is, won't lie, so smile and walk on. And understand, he can take the bricks off the back and say, you know what? Apparently I still have work for you to run because if I wanted to take you home, I could bring you home. So sister, yeah, is that a good thing? You know, you know what you talk about? No. Is everyone who gets involved in that going to be demonized? I can't say all because there's not an infinite number of demons, even that get involved with mediums and such, to take advantage of everybody. But clearly, you're opening doors for that kind of thing. If someone says, I realized that was wrong and I confessed it, but is God going to forgive me? The answer is yes. Just like if it was immorality, just like if it was greed, just like if it was lust, just, I mean, there, put, put it in anger. You know, put it in there. Can God forgive it? Yes. Will he? Well, he said he would, and he can't lie. 
So instead of sitting on the side and thinking, well, maybe I've committed something too hard for him, I'm going to throw it on the other shoe and say, he promises, he tells the truth, I confess, he cleansed, I'm looking for whatever the opportunity is he's given me, because he's not done with me, because I'm still breathing. Mm. Thank you, Lisa, so much for the question. Greatly appreciate it. 877-548-3675. Awanda in Tennessee, thank you for joining us and for your patience and your question now, please. Hi. Um, I, I guess this is a question. Um, my family members um, in central Georgia are heavily into this. Um, what we call it is roots, root workers. And I just found out about five years ago that that is not correct. I found out about that from my husband, and I've been trying to let my family members know that it's not correct, but they won't accept it. And I've literally tried to show it to them in the Bible, but they won't accept it. And they're heavy Christians. So what am I supposed to do? I'm trying to let them know that the word root doctor, that's that's witchcraft. That's all the the mediums and and everything. Mm. Well, I'd answer it two ways. And the honest part is, first, I've never heard a thing about root or root doctor. So um, it may be a real big deal. You said in the South, I'm I'm as far up in the north. In Seattle, I've been accused of living in southern Alaska, you know, so... uh, I could. I'm as far away from you probably as could be. So that term, I just don't know, and so I can't comment on that. I don't. I don't know what it is. I suppose I could Google it and try and find something out about it now, because I always want to learn. But the second question, I think I can speak to a little bit, and that would just be, if you take out the idea of they're involved in root, what if you say they're involved in Masonic masonry, or they're involved in Mormonism, or they're involved in New Age, or they're involved in, you know, it's it's religious, kind of what Janet was talking about, but it but it's not Christian, at least not if you're looking at fundamental essentials of Christianity. Anytime, as Alicia Childers talks about another gospel, or she just took that from Paul in Galatians 1, 6 through 8, preaching another gospel, (laughs) Paul says, let them be divinely cursed. Pretty strong. He doesn't say, acknowledge it, smile at it, laugh at it. But what do I do when I have family members, loved ones? And I think it depends on the people. There are some where there's enough of a relationship and there's a, a willingness to talk, and let's talk about this. I've I've seen that. There are others where it's like, we're not going to talk about this, because as soon as you talk about it, I'm getting up and walking out. So, in, in other words, there are some people that I think you can reason with. There are some people that, are, uh, you know, from all a human point of view, there's no, what's the point? They just walk out. When that happens, I look for opportunities to send material to read or or, just little things. If they bring something up, I'll say, interesting, do you really want to talk about that? Well, no, not really. Well, then why did you bring it up, which makes them look hypocritical? Okay, let's talk about it. Uh, uh, And and now we're talking a little bit, but what I'm suggesting is there are people that want to deal with Jesus. There are people that don't. And I am suggesting that that question, what are you going to do with Jesus, is going to be far more important than is Richard Rohr, uh, uh, you know, uh, super smart, or is he leading people the wrong way? Or, you know, you start looking through different people and different religious groups. Is New Age really an acceptable alternative to Christianity? I say no. 
because you end up with a different Jesus and a different salvation. Uh, is the occult? No, you've got a different Jesus, different salvation, different God, etc. So once things go the wrong way, they go south on that. I'm going, we can talk, but I'm not going to agree with you. But the harder part is, do you have someone that's willing to dialogue? If they do, then do your homework. Don't share cliches, and then if they say, well, what do you mean by that, and you give them a cliche and they blow it up, uh, then then they just think you're an idiot anyway. But do your homework and then try and dialogue. But if they won't dialogue with you, I'm not losing a night's sleep over somebody that, that objects to Jesus, but they're unwilling to talk about it. There's How do I deal with that? So for me, third, I just go to prayer, and I'll say, God, would you put them in a position to help them see their need for Christ, and if you want to use someone else because I'm too close to them and there's too much pride, they wouldn't admit it, that's one thing, or if I can be a part of it, but I can't humanly get them to even consider this, would you start working them over in a way that will spare their life so they'll turn turn, turn their life to Jesus? I end up praying that way for people that, from a human perspective, say, I'm right, you're wrong, and we're not going to talk about it. And I thank you so very much for being a part of the conversation. Paul, I turn to you next in Massachusetts. Welcome. Your question, please. Yes. Um, first, I want to thank you that uh, you uh, that you never said that we have to believe in a certain author because the Bible says we only have partial knowledge and understanding. So I appreciate that about you. Mm. Um, and my question is, um, I used to be... Uh, addicted to pornography and um and i noticed when uh jesus cured me of that overnight and i noticed when i do have bad dreams uh that come up of pornography or something it's because i haven't been um praying you know try to pray three times a day keep up on my reading of the bible but my question is does he believe that there is a spirit of loss. That's what I heard. Okay. Thank you, Paul. The music's playing, and I want to give Dr. Carl Payne all the time he needs to answer the question. So restating the question, is there such a thing as a spirit of lust? We'll find out what Dr. Paul, uh, Dr. Carl Payne has to say after this. In the meantime, let me draw you back to his book, because if this is a topic that you're interested in, it's an excellent resource. It's called Spiritual Warfare, Christians, Demonization, and Deliverance. Just go to our website. It's named after the program, In the Market with Janet Parshall. Scroll down to the red box. It's right there, about a third of the way down. It says Program Details and Audio. Click it on. takes you to the information page. You're going to see Carl's bio, a link to his website. On the right-hand side, there's the book, so you can click on through and discover how to get your copy. The answer to the question about is there a spirit of lust right after this. Dr. Carl Payne is with us, pastor, teacher, speaker, author. He's written the book, Spiritual Warfare, Christians, Demonization, and Deliverance. Again, I have a link to his website so you can follow the work that he does. But the question that was brought to the table from our friend in Massachusetts, and I thank you, Paul, very much for it, is, is there such a thing as a demonic spirit of lust? You've spoken on this before. I think this is important, Carl, and I'm looking forward to your answer. Thank you. Uh, Paul, I'm going to suggest that I think that demons can take advantage of uh, any area that people are willing to cede control to them. And so when I look at like a Galatians chapter 5, 
uh, verses 19 through 21 and say, what are areas that are easy for people, you know, having nothing to do with demons, having just to do with my flesh, to get involved in? Do you see lust, sensuality? Uh, the, the lust, the, the sensuality is more the porn. The immorality is the physical involvement, drunkenness, carousing, pride. You go through those. Uh, uh, Colossians 3, 5 through 8. Uh, Mark chapter 7, 21 to 23, where Jesus talks about the things that come out of the heart, and it's a horrible list. And Janet and I have chuckled about that. I don't mean in an arrogant way, but just when people say, I follow my heart, I would say, don't tell Jesus that. (laughs) He didn't have a lot of nice things to say about what comes out of the heart naturally. But what I'm suggesting is, if demons are very smart, and they are, why would they not try and take advantage of things that we have a propensity already to get involved in? And is lust something, immorality, anger, uh, control, uh, envy, uh, bitterness, unforgiveness? Are there things like that that it's awful easy for for us to get involved in anyway? And then if I have, as, as the Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, and maybe where Janet thought I was going to go, Paul says, keep short accounts with your sin, verse 26. Don't let the sun go down on it. Why? Verse 27, you do not want to give the devil a handhold or a foothold. I've said it's a word, tapos, that means to give a place, space, or territory of control. That is what the word means. Ephesians 4 is addressed to believers. So apparently through sin, if I persist and play games with it, I can eventually move something from, I think, well, that's my choice. It's just a natural kind of thing, to where the other side is saying, hey, if you don't care about Jesus controlling that in your life, then don't whine if we step in, because you're the one that opened the door and gave us tapos, a place, a space, a territory. So can lust be one? of those besetting issues, can porn, can immorality, can bitterness, can fear. Fear is the one I get most often in all my years of working with this, with people getting involved with demonization. It was through fear. Bitterness has been the second most, you know, even more than false religions, that kind of thing. So if someone says, can lust, you know, have anything to do with demonic spirits, the answer is yes. Hmm. Thank you for that, Paul. And what a great answer. I appreciate that, Carl. 877-548-3675. And let me go to Sue in Wisconsin. Sue, thank you for joining us. Your question, please. Thank you. Um, Should we be praying out loud to the Lord if the enemy can hear us and then uses what we pray to plan against us? Uh, It's a good question. And I'm going to return and say, absolutely. Remember, I'm one of those guys that says, if you hear in your head or the wife's tale is, don't step on the crack because something bad's going to happen to you. Don't walk in front of the mirror. I'm going to take a hammer and break the mirror, and I'm going to step right in the middle of the line on the crack because I refuse to be ruled by fear. First John 4.18 says, perfect love casts out fear. Can demons hear? Sure. But if all of a sudden I say then, Clearly, the practice of prayer in Old and New Testament was out loud. And if someone says, well, yikes, then maybe they all got it wrong, because if you pray out loud, then maybe demons can know what your plans are, whatever, and and then they'll get me. I am refusing to believe that the creation is greater or stronger or smarter than the creator. And so if, if Jesus had bid me ask... He doesn't say, and do it silently, because the other side might be listening. I'm going to say I would rather pray out loud and throw it in someone's face. I I don't mean human, saying, you're not going to control me with fear. The place I would tell people, keep your prayers quiet, 
silent to yourself and make sure God, it's like when someone came into my office, this is a true story. Uh, Janet, she'll go, no one would be that stupid. But uh, but actually, professing comes in and says, I'm having a hard time coming to church because of my lust over and named a particular person. And he said, I think I better go talk to her to get that right with her. And I said, is that her issue or your issue? And he said, well, it's mine. She doesn't even know my name. I said, then, well, we're supposed to confess our sins one to another. I say, trust me, on this one, you take it to God. That sins between you and God, you praying out loud would be something that would just just make a something that is a problem even worse. Because now, what's she going to be thinking? Does she want to come to church? So are there times when I say, I pray silently? Sure. But if it's because, what if demons hear? Should I be afraid they might hear and use it against me? I'm believing Christ has more power to protect me than demons do to hurt me. And he doesn't say, make all of your prayers silent. So, no. Uh, I'm, I'm not suggesting that a person says, to beat the demons, you have to just pray silently. Uh, that's giving them more credit. I would rather say, Jesus, I trust you. Uh, if, if a demon hears me saying, I'm going to start reading my Bible, would you please make sure if they try and bother me when I'm doing that, beat the tar out of them because I want to read my Bible. I would rather do that than say, I'm not going to pray out loud. I want to read my Bible because then maybe demons will attack me. That's giving them, that's ceding to them authority that they ought not to have. I refuse to be run by fear. Mm. That's why of all the multiple things that Dr. Carl Payne has taught us about spiritual warfare, maybe it's just me and takes us full circle back to football again. But I love his offensive prayers. Rather than playing defense, we are playing offense here. And those are offensive prayers that he talked about. And I appreciate that so much. Carl, let me encourage your brother. Every line, every hour that you come, there's so many questions people have. As we talked, as we started this hour, about the uptick of people laying down hard-earned money to step into darkness, we can offer them the truth that sets them free. You do that with absolute eloquence. I appreciate you so much, brother. I'm already looking forward to our next time together. Friends, write down your question. The next time Dr. Payne comes, maybe your question will get in the air. See you next time.